There we go. Now we are recording. It's got to add the red button on. Fire. <coughs> Fire bad. Good Monday morning, you bastards. Matt checking in. Jonathan's here. We are the bastards of art. We're missing uh, Big John. Big John's in Chicago. Big John flew away. Yeah, Big John's Big John. He's like our, he's like our go-to smart-ass guy, I guess now. I <laughs> oh man, love that guy. Mm. Uh, what uh, what do you got? You you keep talking about things you're gonna do this year, John. But do you know the year's half over? Yeah, it's exciting, right? Does it make you want to puke or what? Um, I thought about uh, I, I it hit me yesterday when I was talking to my buddy Sam. And um, no, it's exciting. I this year has been a weird roller coaster for me because um, last year I thought I felt was like really good, really strong, really productive year. And going into the beginning of this year, I was like, a, with all the political stuff that we like dealt with and all that, I like started on a really low note for me. So I was, I was like, all right, this is the year of like testing everything for me. But um, I feel like it's been really good personal growth so far. It's been really hard and challenging, but uh, I'm coming out of it with like a, uh, I'm ha- almost halfway through the year and I feel like I'm coming out on like a high note you're, already. You're mid thirties or early thirties? 31. 31? Yeah. There is something weird about 31 and 30, 31, 32, <clears throat> where you realize how much you dicked off in your twenties and you feel like you've got to catch up. Like, oh my god, I've been screwing around too long. I like lived in a teepee for a year and then I, you know, <laughs> walked the Appalachian Trail for six months to find myself. Right. And then there's that year that I got a bag of weed and didn't leave my room, you know. <laughs> and all of a sudden now you're in like, oh I gotta be a protective member of what I'm gonna do in my life. I gotta show some numbers. Put a, put some put some put some numbers on the wall. I was reading so you have quarter life crisis, quote unquote, and then you're at midlife crisis. Quarter life crisis. Yeah, when you're twenty five. Yeah. yeah oh, shit. But uh, I was I was reading. I was like, "Is there something in your 30s?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, it's totally a thing where you start the questioning. Like, are are you doing the right thing? Are do you need to change paths and things like that?" And so I'm like playing around with a whole bunch of stupid stuff. But I'm I'm really delving into like where I'm at now. And yeah, it's it's. I think the scary part is that. 20 years is when you've vested yourself in a career move or a path mm. and to be 35 and be like, ah, fuck this. I can try something else and know that you, you're, you're going to regret, you feel like you're going to regress or you feel like you're going to, I don't know. It's, it gets way scarier choosing a new option in life in your thirties then. Mm. I mean, if you're forced to, so be it. But sure but on your own accord choosing it. Um, old man once said, pick a career before it picks you. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, I, I enjoy my career. I like my career. I'm, I'm satisfied with my career, but I always wonder like grass greener. Like I, I have friends that are doing, we, we talk about this all the time. I have friends that are doing freelance work mm-hmm. and uh, something is nice about the idea of not having to work on projects and finish them the way we have to as tattooing. Like, I can't sit down and start working on someone and be like, man, 
fuck this, I'm gonna go get a pizza and come back. <laughs> you yeah. know, once once you sit down, it's fucking go. Right. And sometimes the stress of that gets to me, and sometimes I do. I wish I was like making beer labels, and I could just like work on it and then give myself a break, recoup, and come back. I th- I think the stressors are just different. You know, yeah. that's do what I'm starting to think. I, yeah, because the it's more of like. We we have deadlines. They have deadlines. It's just it it, it looks different, you know. Mm-hmm. It, we we don't have necessarily a a, a boss client breathing yeah. down our neck, being like, "I need this on Tuesday." Sure, they're they're probably turning around looking at us, going, you know, they they probably have like eight accounts they need to grab a year, mm-hmm. you know, and to to lose one account is an eighth of their income, right? You know, lose two accounts, you know, you're getting, you know more math yeah yeah for, <laughs> but for us like we we have a more steady stream and if we lose a couple people here gain a couple people there it's six to the left half a dozen to the right it mm-hmm. kind of comes out in the wash in our world yeah yeah i mean I, I for me like where i'm at right now it's not it's not about like am i doing the right thing it's kind of like how can i how can i take this to the next step you know, like what? How how can I better my situation? Like how can I diversify my situation? It's not. I I've I've finally got over the hump of like, did I make the right choice? Mm-hmm. But it's more. I I have the confidence in myself now that like I have a strong skill set and like how do I make that better? Like how do I effectively utilize that to the strongest suit? And then how do I set myself up effectively for the long term? You know, like. I mean, you think it too much done. I know, right? <laughs> but it's fun. Like yeah. I, I, I've gotten over the whole stress of like, what am I doing with my life, or am I doing the right thing? And it's kind of like, well, how do how do I analyze this, and how do I think about this effectively? But how do I decide like, what kind of life do I want to live, and mm-hmm. how do I make the right decisions to put that in play? My, I'm at the point where I'm in my forties, and it's like, it's a legit do I have enough time to learn that? Mm. You know, sure. do, do, if I cross over into this or I pick up this hobby, it's like, do I have enough time to even learn that? Like, But he, he, even if you think about it, like y- you may not even be halfway through your life yet. Or it could be, it could be, it could be dying tomorrow. My marker, my, my, I actually gave myself a marker when I was 25, I mm-hmm. gave myself a marker of 50. And I said this, so maybe I did have a quarter life crisis. <laughs> but on my 25th birthday, I just remember thinking, okay, if half my life is over, what do I want to be proud of when I'm 50? Mm. So I'm, I'm a couple years out from 50, and I'm hitting some of those goals. Sure. But, um, yeah, that, that way it wasn't such a, I mean, be 22 and think of 80? Fuck that. You don't, you know, you can't even comprehend. You don't even know what 20 years looks like. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And now I, I know what 20 years looks like, and I can say I have tw- friends I've had for 20 and 30 years. Like, now I know it's just, I, I don't know. Yeah. Fuck me, man. You know? The biggest thing is, like, it, it, you can spin all this shit, mm-hmm. but it all boils down to that, that carpe diem, you know? Oh, yeah. Dick around. Put one foot on yesterday, one foot on tomorrow. Piss all over today if you want. But fucking live today. Have yeah. fun. Grab something. And the end of the day, do it. Do something. Now, here's a big question, John. <laughs> what are you worth? I mean, not like, what are you worth? Like, what are your assets worth? How much can I sue you for? Right. In the divorce, how much do I get? You know, none of that shit. But but in, that's the weirdest part about this whole entire thing is how does it translate into making a living? Mm. What are you worth? Now, I can only speak from 
my career as an artist. I, I, I can I can listen to podcasts and I can listen to other people talk about what what they are worth and how they get paid. Right. And there's guys that talk about day rates. There's guys that talk about projects. And, and then how does that translate to the money, the, the people with the money bags, the people that are supporting our habit of drawing? And that's yeah. really what this is, is for me, I want to draw for the rest of my life. Right. I chose a career. I want to draw the rest of my life. I chose mm -hmm. tattooing. It lets me draw for the rest of my life, right? But I have backers right. that fund my life. Right. And they're called clients. Mm -hmm. And so I've got to be able to have this balance of what all this is. Like I can't, well, it was fun. I don't mind, I don't mind doing it because it was fun. Sure. And then I go home to my wife and five kids and I'm literally saying wife and five kids. And I go, oh, but babe, it was fun. We don't have money for milk because I just, I had fun today drawing. Right. That's some that's some shit a 20-year-old says. Mm -hmm. You know, at this point in time, I've got to go home and tell my wife, like, um, I had a great day, I met some really good people, and we're going to be okay. Right. You know, we don't have to worry so much. But tomorrow I have three cancellations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And what's worse is when, when you go, oh, I had a fun day, and she, she drives up, and she's taking all the kids shoe shopping, mm -hmm. and you're just like, like, oh my God. You know, five kids. Pressure's on. Jeez, man. Yeah. 50 bucks a pair of shoes. You know? It's not cheap. No. It's not. <laughs> you know? It's like reality will hit you quickly. Yeah. So, discussing what you're worth. Like you, you almost need a, a barometer, a measuring stick. Mm -hmm. And I think the value of what you're worth is going to change over time. Right. Well, I, I think it's important that it does. You know, because... You, Money is always one of those challenging things to talk about because it's, it's so taboo in our culture. Um, but it, it's so important um, to understand it, to know what your value is, you know, because um, you, you, you have to have that starting point. So you have to have uh, the right people around you that you trust and can use as a gauge for you. But I'm getting lost in my train of thought as far as... Well, let me, let me just say this real quick. I'm, I'm going to bring you back. Yeah. Think of money as something besides what you can trade it for on the, the Dow. Mm -hmm. Besides how much you can get out of it. You know, when I was younger, I would say, well, how many beers is that worth? And that gave me an idea of how much money I had in my pocket. You know? Right, right. If you have $10 in New York, that's like... Not even a fucking beer. Mm -hmm. You have ten dollars in Nebraska, where you're you're rich. Right. You know what I mean. But let's think about it this way, really quick. Money is energy. Mm -hmm. Money money is the energy you've applied. Okay. And so when you have like two hundred bucks, you say, "How much energy did it take me to get this two hundred bucks?" Yeah. Now, if you're working like ten dollars an hour, that's a lot of energy, and you're going to ask yourself, "Do I want to buy these jeans with mud pre-applied to them?" Mm -hmm. You know. No, right. you know, my energy is worth more than that. You yeah. know? Now, here's what happens in the art world, and this is where everything gets confusing. And, and, and I mentioned this before in the last episode, I'm going to bring it up again. Yeah. But there's that, that comic book joke where a guy hands the, the boss man a drawing, and he's like, why am I paying you so much money for something you do in 10 minutes? And right. the guy replies, because it took me 10 years to draw this in 10 minutes. Right. So we still consider money as energy, all right? That 10 minutes of that, that that guy drew that is two forms of energy, accumulative and acute. 
Acute is the 10 minutes it took. The accumulative is all the years that backed that 10 minutes. The backlog. And that's, yeah. that really equals experience, right? Yeah. So as you're drawing and as you're, as you're getting more into what, what am I worth mm -hmm. as, as an artist, as someone who produces artwork for people, um, you are different stages, and I think in the in the beginning, what could we call the first stages? First stage is your learning. So, I think just be happy that someone's yeah. paying you to yeah. do something you love. Yeah, and it, I feel like a lot of people end up getting stuck in that first stage because it's because we we all understand the concept that we're always learning, mm -hmm. you know, and it, it it's kind of like surfing or like getting out to sea from the beach, like those getting over those first waves is the hardest part mm. you know but um figuring out how to finally get over that wave mm. and out into the out into the sea is it's like all right now you're past the break yeah you're past the break and now now it's time to like up your level you mm -hmm. know um, yeah yeah that, that's a good analogy because for those that don't surf that that wave crashes and creates a rippling effect and you're laying flat on a board and you're swimming against a pretty strong current mm -hmm. and they get bigger the farther you get out and they get mushier and you get thrown around and if, and if you've ever surfed for the first time you can spend all day trying to get past the break mm -hmm. but you know that if you do that for a year it's going to get to the point where you have developed techniques that get you past the break in a, an efficient and quick amount of time. Yeah, you know how to cut through the water and get to where you need to be. So that's what we're talking about with drawing and being an artist. You will, if, as you draw and you get more experience of, and you develop your own process and you develop a way to a workflow and a work ethic, mm -hmm. you'll be able to get out there faster. So that's a part of learning and accumulatively all that energy spent developing that, that, that will, you're, you're, you're working towards that future what am I worth? Right. You know, so if you're, let's just say you're 20 years old and you're, for, you don't know your head from your ass, you know, and you're just happy to be working. Mm -hmm. Everything you're doing now, if, when you stick to it, the 40-year-old version of you will get it done in a quarter mile of time for three times as much as you're charging now. Yeah. And you're going to be a lot more selective on what you take on, too. Right. You know, you'll, be able, you'll, ha you'll be able to be more selective once you've once you've accumulated more plus i think it's important to be selective because mm -hmm. you know in the very beginning you're just like oh here's the wave i'm gonna i'm gonna hop on this one and so mm -hmm. you try and hop on everything and as you start progressing it's like well this one isn't going to be what i need it to be so i'm going to wait for the next yeah one. like i'm going to ride this mushy wave and have to swim out here again right i'll just wait for two more sets to roll through and grab this one yeah and you, you start being able to read situations better Mm -hmm. Where, because like, it is it, like in the beginning, it's so, in, it's so, important to take on right beginning. So what we're talking about now is the second the second phase. What would the second phase be like? The I second phase is you kind of you have a lingo. You know how to talk to your client better, right? You know you you can explain things to them that they can't even enunciate themselves. Mm -hmm. And you're starting to figure out. You're starting to narrow down what you like doing. I think at this stage, you know tricks of the trade, but you don't necessarily know the trade. Right. You know how to produce things a little bit faster. You know how to draw a little more efficiently. Your mm -hmm. artwork's getting cleaner and more legible. It doesn't look like you've got two left thumbs anymore. Right. Yeah. And um, you're, you're, you're starting to have more, in, uh, more intent on what you're doing, too. Mm -hmm. You know, like, yeah. Um, but it's still it's still surface level. It's, 
you don't know what you don't know, right? You, right. you start, you're getting the peek behind the curtain and you're starting to understand things, but you still have no idea. You're still cheating off other people's desks too. Mm-hmm. Like you're looking at internet, you're looking at what another tattoo artist does or another fine artist painter does or another comic book artist does. And you're looking at their desk and you're like, man, am I supposed to be drawing like that? Like mm-hmm. there's there's not as much um, confidence. I mean, you, you get more confidence in day one. But you still feel really uh, transparent, right? You know, and you're like, "Am I supposed to be?" Like, I, I could imagine, like, right now, like in tattooing, there's the trend of all the dots and the black work and and all that. Yeah. Which I have my opinions on. I think it's like very generic composition. You know, sure. it's just like it, good enough tattooing. Like, mm-hmm. big deal. You know how to use your equipment. That's just me. But if I was tattooing right now and I, and I thought my pursuit was going to be dragons, mm-hmm. but everyone's buying the dots, right. I'd be nervous. I'd be like, am I supposed to incorporate dots into my dragons? Mm. Or what the fuck am I doing? You know? Yeah. I think that that's that stage where you're really tuning in. What it? Am I going to be true to myself and do what I believe? Right. Now, now, where is our money at at this point? At this point, we're like, we know what... We have a couple rules of thumb. Mm-hmm. Like at this stage in my tattooing, I would say, well, if the tattoo is as big as the palm of my hand, it's worth this much. Sure. For an easy number, let's say, it's $100. Right. If it's the size of the palm of my hand, it's $100 because I know how much effort it takes, right. um, give or take. And there's variables that go into that, but that's I have these like rules of thumb. Mm-hmm. You know, I go, okay, if it's a half sleeve, you know, it's, you know, it's going to be X amount. You know, I right. kind of have an idea of how long it's going to take me to do these things. Yeah. But, again, as far as my personal journey, you know, I'm still... I'm still nervous. I'm still like really worried about like. I'm being, I'm being open here. I'm worried about like, am I doing stuff that people give a shit about? Sure. Or or you're you're worried to be take it to a selfish standpoint. You're worried like, am I am I getting paid enough for my time? You know, because at this point you're still you're. Oh, there's a cocksuredness of all this. Yeah, too. you're you're in this balance of like, well. This is taking this is taking longer than I expected, but I'm only getting paid this, and so you start you start questioning yourself like I should have charged more, et cetera, et cetera, you know. But that you're in that that point where you're not quite to the level of this is going to take me this amount of time, and this is the amount of money that I'm going to make from it. Right. You know, you're you're still you're still trying to sell yourself to do the cool work that you want to do. But you're not making you're you're not confident enough in order to make the right amount of money. So right, it's still floating. Yeah, you're doing something for hundred bucks one day and something for five hundred bucks the next day. Right, and and you're in. I think at this stage you're really worried that the two people are going to talk. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, totally because you, you, um, the the one day you feel really good, you're like, oh yeah, I. I felt really good about the drawing. I was really excited, and I felt like I got paid the right amount for it. Right. And then the next day, you're like, I felt really good about the drawing, but it took way longer than I expected, right. and I didn't get paid what I thought it was. Right. Like. As a disclaimer, really quick, we're talking about this awkward money versus time versus pursuit versus happiness type thing. Mm-hmm. It's really important at this stage of the game, when you're like you're you're not really charging a consistent amount yet. That you know that once you've haggled over what amount it is, and there is haggling at this stage, mm-hmm. that you put that to rest. Right. And if you're doing a dragon for $100 on Monday and the same style dragon for $600 on Friday, that each dragon looks 
fucking $1,000. You commit to it. You know, make the dragon look way more expensive than what you charge. Yeah. Right? Because that helps you uh, on your personal pursuit, helps you with your integrity, helps you uh, sell yourself in the future, gives you a body of work. You don't want to like have a portfolio and be like, well, that dragon sucks because the guy only gave me 100 bucks. Right. Yeah. What the fuck? But man? you also don't want to be halfway through the tattoo and start devaluing yourself. Because then it shows in your work too. Right. You, once you once you set the money, put it aside because the, now the money is a byproduct of whatever whatever yeah. you know. You're still you should you're still is like a little bit of be happy you're getting paid. Sure. I mean, don't live and die by that, but there's still you know put the money aside. So I think when we get into the third stage where it gets to the point where you know, like um, a sleeve. For me, is four sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, a painting for me is twenty hours. Um, a one-page ad on a paper is one full-day rate. You know, and animating a character. You know, you'll know by now how long these things processes are going to take. Right. You know, you and, may be off by an hour or so. But yeah, but it, it comes out in the wash at this point. Yeah. Like everything gets shaken in the wash. You, you, your your differences aren't a hundred dollars versus six hundred dollars. Your mm-hmm. differences are, are like, well, I did five hundred, five fifty. I, I slipped into 400 there right. and at this point in time when you do stuff for cheap you're actually doing it for free because you're like you're almost when I say free it's almost when you, the difference is is that like you're you have a column of day rates that you need to get paid three days right. now the fourth day you work you might take on some weird project that these people wouldn't be able to afford you normally but you're experimenting but everyone is having fun and it's for a good cause and so something like that is happening you know right. like you know john did that um um uh, video for me mm-hmm. you know and i know he took a big pay cut for it because what we, the project we worked on was very unique to what to what he's done right i've had um some friends come and do some photo shoots for me i can't afford them but right. it was a unique experience and everyone just it brought back life mm-hmm. into what we do and so those things are going to happen but cut that fat off don't consider that part of your, right. your income that is just you just happen to have this a set of skills that allows for these new creative processes right they, there's like a certain chunk of what we do that it or or what a lot of creative people do that's kind of like barter time mm-hmm. you know like where it, it's like that old way of thinking like well i have apples and you have potatoes let's let's swap some right. you know i would say don't mix those with your day rate get paid right. what you're worth yeah get, yeah get money for what you're worth yeah. but if you want to have a fun unique experience where the only way it's going to happen is a couple of high fives and beers go for it mm-hmm. you know yeah, well, that's the interesting thing that uh, I'm at this point of where I'm at in my career, I'm understanding because the, in order to in order to live and function comfortably, we buy shoes. Yeah, we we have to make money, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's this dirty thing between like I'm doing what I'm passionate about but I also need to make money. And it's like, how do you how do you blend the two? And it's coming to the understanding that no matter what, even if you're doing what you're passionate about, there's still a commercial side of things of doing that. You know, even if you're a fine artist showing in galleries, there's still the dirty business side. And a lot of times people have the luxury of outsourcing that. Right. Even freelance guys have agents that mm-hmm. help deal with the money part. Um, 
fine artists have galleries. There, yeah. A lot of times people buffer this, you know, and they, they help out with you. Um, if you can be the all-in-one, so be it. But I think the thing of it is, is that you've got to have a barometer of some sort that matches your cumulative experience and knowledge, mm -hmm. your acute energy of how long you took to do the said project, and your relationship with the client. You take all those into play, set a price in your head, pitch it to them, mm -hmm. and, and roll with it. Right. You know, and then once you've come to that agreed number, fucking just work and make it 20 times more. You know, don't don't skimp on the project because so-and-so cheated you. Right. You had the choice of saying no. Mm -hmm. You had the choice of not doing this in the first place. But yeah. You agreed to it. So under under promise, over deliver, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, in our, in our situation, we are we wear so many hats, and that's one of them is, is being a barter. You know, in, in the years of being a street shop, you, you know, Mickey Mouse was 80 bucks and blah, blah, and dicking around with all this silly small tattoo stuff. Right. What we're doing now is huge. Right. So. Well, it's interesting. Like, a lot of people wonder what that, that crest is like, you know, because for me, it was coming into, I, I started in a custom shop, so I, I got to see, like, well, everything's on an hourly basis, you know, and that's kind of how you gauge it rather than, starting in a, a street shop to where it's like that's two hundred dollars that's a hundred dollars that's 50 bucks um but it, it's like figuring out that understanding of once you've taken yourself seriously long enough and it's showing in your work and people understand the value of that it, it, making that switch over to everything's hourly now so here's the last stage when you've done the first stages and you get to the point where your career has pent up demand. Mm -hmm. That means there's a waiting list that's been created by supply and demand. Mm -hmm. um, you can be confident in your pricing. Right. Because if maybe two or three people can't afford you, don't think of it as they won't pay you. They just can't afford you because of the level you're at. Right. Your pent-up demand fills those gaps for you, mm -hmm. you know? And pent-up demand, I guess, I mean, you can Google it, but pent-up demand is kind of like, uh, if there's a hailstorm and all of a sudden, you know, there's two guys in the city of St. Louis that fix hail damage. Mm -hmm. If a hailstorm hits, those two guys can't get to all of it. Right. So the customer on that end creates a pent-up demand, you yeah. know? Where on the other side, yeah, I mean, that's basically it. Like. But if a bunch of, you know, the only way to fill that pent-up demand is to bring more of those guys in. Right. But let's say you're a custom car painter and you have a unique technique and way of doing it mm -hmm. and people want you. Right. Like they can go to fucking, you know, the, the cheap, you know, spray and go tape, tape the windows off place. But you, you just take it the extra mile and you make these beautiful cars mm -hmm. and there's a one year wait to get to you. Then you can set your price, be confident. And it's, I don't even think about the money anymore until it's the end of the month. I'm like, did I, did I, did I schedule enough people? Right. Am I, am it's, I doing okay? It's this weird switch. Cause it, it, it's not like there's any key to it. It's just like once, once you hit a particular confidence level on like where you're at, it, it's in initially it was in a, like a street shop setting. Like, you know, you shoot a price at somebody and then, if they start laughing automatically, you know it's like, well, we're not going to work together, you know. Right. 
but like there's this weird switch where it just automatically like those people disappear you know like you're you're at a different level already and you know you know like this is where i operate and the people that are coming to you understand that's where you operate carl um who we've interviewed on the show carl napa he's an engineer and if you go google him go listen to the other podcast of the interview with carl napa carl has risen through and he's become a master in his field of audio engineering Mm -hmm. and like one of his titles is he's actually the um um sound engineer for nelly Mm-hmm. The Nelly hip hop guy. Yeah. Anyway, um, Carl's worked with everyone, and when we talked about these steps, the biggest thing about jumping these steps was the fear that the phone wouldn't ring anymore. Right. But then it did, mm-hmm. and it's like you can look back and you'd be like, "Man, I lingered in that stage way too long." Right. Because I was afraid if I left it, the phone wouldn't ring. Mm-hmm. But it always did. Right. Because again, it goes back down to money will become a byproduct if you have a simple idea of over deliver mm-hmm. work the hardest on everything and ignore the money once you've come to an agreement yeah but if your focus is always on the money then that's going to be the only thing it that's, will trip you up yeah if you're like doing hundred dollar dragons and five hundred dollar dragons and two hundred dollar dragons and i'm flipping through a portfolio and i'm just like why does this one look like like crap mm-hmm. and this one looks so fucking great why don't you always perform at the top of your game yeah, you know that's the end result, you know. And so, if you're always doing thousand dollar dragons, eventually, you will be getting thousand dollars for a dragon right. or a painting or whatever, you know. Yeah, what I'm saying. So I don't know. I guess the thing of it is, is you've got to figure out a what stage in the game you're in. Mm-hmm. B. Um. Kind of get an idea of what your work, what you're worth, and what the market can bear. Right. And C. Stop worrying about it and go to fucking work. <laughs> Well, and the other thing too is like don't don't be afraid of playing with it a little bit and figure it out. You know, yeah. like it, if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. But it, yeah, it, I, you you kind of know that you need to that you're moving to the next stage and you should you should raise everything about you. And basically, they, they, we call this firing clients. Mm-hmm. Firing clients is when you make a huge jump in your in your pay scale. Right. The people that had been dicking with you for so long and giving you the $100 dragons because that's all they can afford, stick to $500. Those people, excuse me, those people will find someone else to do their $100 dragons and you will have a much more pleasant life because you'll be dealing with people that understand the quality. And there's a good time to... A good time to raise your prices is when you can constantly hear, really? That's it? Right. <laughs> and you're like, fuck, what am I doing wrong here? You uh-huh. know? Yeah. And you're in your head, you're still performing at this immature level, mm-hmm. but you don't realize you're running with the big dogs now and you need to price accordingly. Yeah. So. Definitely. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I got, John. Value. Value. Value yourself, man. Totally. You're worth it. Uh, this has been another Bastards of Art podcast. Where can they find us? Well, John, funny you ask. <laughs> www.bastardsart.com, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and do us a favor, tell a friend. And um, also go to iTunes and rate us and leave a comment so we can get higher in the search. Yeah. We'd appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks.